Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. Today, we're continuing the Our Traveling Home adventure. Folks, this Kickstarter is less than $2,000 away from funding, and I really want to see it cross that finish line. I had so much fun playing this game, and there is a lot more depth to it than we got to scratch with our playthrough. So, if you're at all intrigued, please click on the links in our show notes, and even if you can't back, please share the project. The more you do to get the word out now, the more likely it is you'll be able to pick up this game in the future. And now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. That is so heartbreaking and perfect that the only way to respond to that is by changing the mood. Yes. So like we're in the equivalent of a closet together, basically. And I think Sable tries to like open the door, so to speak, but there's not enough room. And like I get shoved forward literally on top of you. We're leaning into it. Oh, Sable realizes that like they have to maybe get Azrenel to actually... (laughs) yank us out of this closet yeah so the door suddenly pops open and and then bumps into sorel from behind knocking them forward into shine's arms Mm -hmm. and sable then pulls the door shut and you hear her go huh i could have sworn we emptied this closet (laughs) hey azrael and then she like wanders (laughs) off again this one's too full um no idea yeah so like god have you lost focus with that bump i think when you first catch me i haven't but then like you are holding me as i revert okay here's the thing we're in a closet we got bumped like i imagine this is like a actual closet with like coats and stuff yeah yeah so like we got pushed (laughs) on the other side of the coats from the lamp so what I think happened. This bump happens, you know, that they, they bump into each other and then descend into this darkness. And in this true darkness, like the most terrifying version of yourself comes out. Yeah. But shine right now, like the opal of his skin, like tinges of fire opal, like dance into that. He is, is full on blushing, staring into your eyes, which might be like horrible shadow monster eyes. No, they definitely Um, are. And I think Sorrel is just like, uh, uh, I'm, Oh God, I'm so sorry. They're like, Oh God, the lamp. Right. Like they, they know. And, And, that that that's the thing shine has his his hand braced against against your lower back and you know you're like reaching back to like try and swat the coats aside to the lamp so that you can get this you know some light on you to uh, break away your form but maybe maybe you trip a little bit more he catches you by the hand and like kind of intertwines your fingers and goes can't do that yet let's let's just stand up and make sure we're both okay you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 fine. Good. You look you look fine. And Sorrel is just like I so glad that they are made entirely of shadow right now because they would just be bright red. And I think that's probably when Azrael pulls us both out of the closet. Sup, nerds? Stuck long? <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, um, how did, how did, you know, that thing go? With the, the... Uh, what thing? There was a thing? No. Did I miss a thing? No. I think bah- is this the thing? <laughs> Are we in the thing? Behind 
Shine and Sorel, who are facing Azrael, behind them, a door opens and Sable and Lament come out with like buckets and brooms and like cleaning supplies. And they, yep. they look and they make eye contact with Azrael and then like hurry, tiptoe, hurry across the hallway to the next room. And then the door shuts really, really, really fast. Yep. Oh my God. I love it. That's fantastic. Sorol is definitely just like, uh, I remembered there's, um, I, I have to go sweep. They're just like, they can't, they can't deal. I, Oh, I could help you. Um, uh, uh, sure. I would love to expel dirt using a bunch of, of, of wicker strings. It's, it makes no sense. Sorrel was going to try and awkwardly clean, but ends up, like, <laughs> awkwardly, like, so this is a broom. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I think Shine thinks this is, like, a thing that they enjoy. So, like, they're both sweeping up, but, like, every time Sorel like, chances a glance over to Shine, like, Shine is, like, really hamming it up, like, look, I'm moving these bristles <laughs> <laughs> with my hands. How, how jejun? <laughs> really slumming it. Very rugged of me. Fantastic. So what detail or moment from this conversation do you find yourself thinking about for the next few days? I mean, Shine thinks about Sorel and what they look like and who they are. They spend, I, I think it's not purposeful, but everything Shine is doing for the next few days kind of circles around to that. Like Shine will worked so hard to remember the way they looked. They go, they, they just notice like little things that Sorel does like, oh, it makes sense. It makes sense that they laughed there because they have those beautiful lines. And like just tying personality to, to body like together to like create this whole picture, body and soul of this person in his mind. If nothing else in the world makes sense, this will. And I think for Sorrel, the thing they think about is how you didn't pull away from them. It was like, oh, this time was different. So the other side of that question, how do you convince yourself this is an impossible attraction and attempt to bury these feelings? <laughs> James is a romance monster. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think that it happens when Shine is constructing his face after like he really feels like he's solidified this picture of who Sorel is you know because he's been in this fog this fog about this beautiful thing that happened between him and, and this precious precious friend that he has and he realizes that he talks about perfect a lot and he told Sorel that they were perfect. And he realized how much he meant that. And now that he's solidified the full vision of this person, he can't help but compare who he was and who he is and who he likely will be to that. He sees the vast gap between them as he stares into the void where his heart should be. And he sees that it's larger than it used to be. And it's larger than it used to be because he tried and failed to do something that he thought would be good for everyone. And he can't risk taking any part of you that could conceivably be flawed or imperfect and growing it like he's done with everyone else. Okay. Dead from feelings now, thanks. Yeah, I think for Sorrel, it's just blindingly obvious you are this weird quasi-immortal and you're, like, beautiful and, like, extremely powerful. And you could have, like, literally anyone 
and I'm just this weird house goblin who, who does chores. So obviously this is not going to be a thing. Like <laughs> you were just, you were just being nice. You were being nice cuz you're nice to everybody, but yeah. Oh. Oh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, Marks. I definitely revealed my true form to the wizard without being aware of it, and I shared a painful truth about myself. And I, I got my final mark in sharing a painful truth about myself. Amazing. I think the big one is that I learned that there, there are people who aren't disgusted by me, like, who don't find me physically repellent. Tough, tough truth to learn. Uh, yeah, just when you go around just with the background radiation of like, oh, I'm literally a monster in your head all the time, like, realizing that not everyone thinks that is kind of a revelation. Too real. Yeah. Yeah, remember how we said the cursed playbook was about being trans? (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I, I think the other thing that they learned is that, oh, Shine isn't as ridiculous as they seem there is like a serious person underneath all of that extra who is like cares very deeply about things so that's what i learned on shine's part the true path to perfection is embracing and loving imperfection he's put on all these facades for so long, assuming that if I, if he wore the mask long enough, it would become his face. But, you know, with that dinner, the mask shattered spectacularly and what was left was better. I think in understanding the person that Sorel is, he understands why. Mm-hmm. And that was budding romance. So we're going to skip forward a bit to the Act 1 climax. War is approaching, and the enemy has caught your scent. The wizard can't keep running forever. You need to buy yourself some space by confronting the enemy on their turf. What do you do? How do you all work together? And when you narrowly escape the enemy's clutches, what does it cost you? So this game is for everybody. In a full campaign, we'd be playing it after all the Act 1 games have been played. Since it's a one-shot, we're, you know, taking this as the necessary transition between Act 1 and Act 2. First, we're going to answer the following questions as a group. Why do we decide to confront Hexarch Terra directly? What do we hope to accomplish? Part of my thought, and let me know if this completely undermines the, the intent of this. My thought is that we decide to confront them because they're on our lawn and it's to get them off our lawn. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like they have encircled us and completely have us where, where, where they want us. And we're like, oh, no, thank you. No solicitors. <laughs> I love that energy. That is what is going to happen during the finale. Oh, okay, cool. The intent of this is that we're going to the enemy's place of power. Right. But, but there definitely will be the get off my lawn moment as the, as the finale then perhaps Shine has decided that because perfection is embracing imperfection, the thing that he is buried is his past. And his past is he used to work for this organization. For whatever reason, he cannot remember the things that he did. So he needs to go get his records to learn about that so that he can embrace it and become perfect. Why does he need to become perfect so badly? I don't know. Sorel is perfect, and that's the reason that we can't be together. Oh, my God. Uh, But (laughs) I don't know why I brought that up. That makes... I'm not making any sense. (laughs) Can I just say specifically that I, I love the idea that, like, there was absolutely a wizard NDA that you signed, and that when you, like, your wizarding license lapse... Of course. The NDA kicked in and was like, those memories are gone now. That's dope. Boy, I love that. Yeah. Awesome. So this is (laughs) Shine's terrible idea. (laughs) So obviously you're enthusiastic about it. I keep talking about it like it's a shopping trip. (laughs) (laughs) We just have to go to the mall. Oh, we just have to swing by this place to pick up some memories. But it's inside the mall and it's like a big mall. Yes, Mall M A U L, the large, heavily guarded building mm-hmm. that's run by the Empire. And mm-hmm. I just have to swing by, pop in, pick up a few memories, 
and we keep keep rolling. Fantastic. So Azrenal is going to play the Hexarch during this confrontation, both because we need a Hexarch and also Azrenal cannot leave the home. That's so smart. Oh, I, I, that is, ooh, that is juicy. <laughs> so the confrontation begins. We're going to play through three prompts in order. After answering the prompt's questions and briefly playing out a small scene, one person in the scene will roll 2d6 to determine uh, what complications arise. You can add one to your roll for each mark that you've hit up to a bonus of plus three. And it's basically PBTA definitions of success, you know, one to six being a failure, seven to nine partial success, and 10 plus being a complete success. If there's a complication, it's narrated by the player not in the scene, and then we go to the next prompt. So we start with going to the enemy's place of power. The cursed and the wizard are going to the enemy's place of power to confront them. Does either the child or the monster go with them or do they go alone? I feel like I don't know if Sorrel would be successful in this, but Sorrel does not want Sable to go. They feel like that's a, it's a bad idea. But I'm so useful. Are you? Yes. Extremely. Very. They're so important to my work. They're a- I carry things. I hold things. I put things away. I get things out of places where I've put them away previously. Okay, but like- I you, organize. You get that this is going to be dangerous, right? But We're just popping by the mall. It's not that dangerous. I've been to the mall before, I think. I don't think I have. But it, it can't be that bad, right? Oh, you love it. There's a lot of concrete. <laughs> well, you know, Sable, I'm going to be all alone. No, you won't. Lament staying. What? Aren't you? No. Are you coming with? No. So you're not staying here and you're not coming with us? <laughs> I was going to see who I could inspire some dark thoughts within. At the mall? Yes. Okay. Because that is going. So Lament does have stuff oh. to do at the mall. Well, if we got something, yes. we could carpool. So so maybe Sable could keep Azrenal company. You know, um, I, I bet that there are things that you could do to make the home more secure while we're gone, since Shine won't be around to protect the home. Sable, do you want to look for misery? I don't. <laughs> but I think, I think I appreciate you inviting me to do misery. <laughs> I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. Was that right? Did I do it? Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Sorrel is giving Azrenel like a look of like pointing at Sable behind their back. And it's like, you've had a thought? Yes, I have. I have. Oh, goodness. What is it? The quilt. The quilt? The quilt. It's not getting made. The quilt. We're going to the mall. Yes. The quilt is just sitting there to fallow. Not evolving. Um. Not progressing. The quilt. Yes. I feel like we haven't worked on the quilt in a while. And what is that rot? <laughs> no progress to the quilt? No progress to the quilt. I'm afraid I have reached the limit of my powers. What? Yes. No. They've hit their maximum. Never. Unless I've somehow invested my time and my energy into someone could bring progress to the quilt. Sable's eyes get really big and she kind of smooths her hair and like adjusts like the the bolero jacket that's on over the jacket jacket, which is on over the waistcoat, which is on over the Mm -hmm, corset, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. layer after layer after layer of like decadent French pastry looking dramatic clothes. (laughs) And she stands very tall and she says, I understand that we all have things that need to get done. I personally have to work on the quilt. So if you're going to the mall, I need you to make sure that you come back in one piece. Because when the quilt is done, I am not tall enough to put it up on the wall. Of course I'll come back in one piece. It's the mall. I'm just saying... Sorrel seems to think it's dangerous. I know she's, they say things that don't make sense, but that really doesn't make sense to me. Their head is full of notions. I, I, I'm sure everything will be fine, but I cannot wait to see what you add. You are ready. You are ready. Okay. 
Okay, so we're just gonna we're what? Just gonna swing by the mall. Yeah, we're real just quick. we're just going. Yep. Correct. Okay. Is Lament disguising themselves at all for this trip into presumably the heart of civilization? They put a tapestry over top of them. One of the dustiest tapestry that, like, Shine has long forgotten about. Like, once upon a time, I'm sure it had brilliant yellows and reds and rich blues and purples, but now it's just, like, this gray. And, like, every time they take a step, like, a puff of dust rises up. But it is a elegant tapestry that makes for a great cloak. This is an improvement. Sable starts, like, kind of bouncing on the balls of her feet and says, I can help! I can help! And, like, runs... And disappears into one of the rooms and then comes back out with like six different hats. <laughs> and then immediately starts trying different hats on Lament and like zhuzhing and like kind of like sidelong glancing to Shine to see if Shine is giving off a vibe about whether the hat is right. Yeah, there's there's a mini clothing montage. Yeah. And then ultimately they, they kind of like silently nod and gesture mm-hmm. vaguely. Yeah, they both give the mm-hmm. big nod. Yeah, and then, mm-hmm. and then uh, Sable says, okay, that one. And then takes the other hats away. So we're just going to swing by the mall. Real cash. Uh, I think Azranel helps. They kind of generally scoop you all up into a dirt ball and bowl it. Yeah, you got to bowl us. <laughs> yeah. Just roll and you're like, bye everybody. Yep. Katamari rolls you across mm-hmm. the plains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think af- after the bowling happens, Sable has hands full of hats and then turns and gives Azranel a hat. And then puts one of the hats on herself as well. And then stacks another hat. And then stacks another hat. And now it's a game. (laughs) And they're playing a game together. Great. That's amazing. I feel like this is a question for Shine. What precautions do you take to ensure that we arrive safely? No precautions. We're going to the mall. Kind of how I think we arrive is that who knows how far away the house was from the mall. But a massive wheel of earth that has been like created out of this this Katamari situation just rolls up and bowls over the walls of this fortress. And basically he opens the door, casually brushes himself off and like steps out. I think it's around here. So absolutely no precautions. It's just the massive surprise of, of the arrival of like this nigh apocalyptic like yep. clod of earth. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of shouting. So <laughs> I feel like the the last question for this prompt is what do you say to the enemy when you're shown into their presence? I flick a stone to like whatever stunned guard this huge mound of earth rolled in front of and he'll catch it and I'll just be like, keep her running. Oh my god. So you absolutely need to be the one to roll to see how this how this turns out. <laughs> okay, I rolled an eight, but I am allowed to add up to three because, or I guess up to four because I hit all of the marks. Yeah, it, it, the math breaks down, but it's up to plus three just because the math completely breaks if I let people add four. Oh, of course. Yeah, that that is. Uh, so yeah, still a- adding that three though, that brings me to 11. Yeah. Amazing. The guard has a gun and he's just like so stunned, does not know how to respond, I think. So from there, we, we cut back to the home. While the cursed and the wizard confront the enemy directly, the demon is going to use the distraction to secure the home against attack. Uh, whoever stayed behind will assist. So, Demon, what do you do? What magic do you work? What assistance do you require to ensure it goes to plan without the wizard's assistance? How do your erstwhile assistants feel about being co-opted? Do they complain, or does everyone work well together? I think we work well together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very useful. I think that the demon wants to find the hardest rocks in the surrounding area and within themselves to build a shell. So I... I have requested of Sable to assist me in identifying the hardest rocks. Yeah, and I think Sable is pretty good at that because they've studied different aspects of the earth because of living in proximity to you. And so I think they they get that done in pretty efficient manner. That's awesome. So like what what is that what does that look like? Do you <laughs> do- I I think Sable has 
like a giant pair of binoculars and stands on like has Azrael put them on like a ledge that they then elevate them so that Sable can then like point with like a pointer stick at stuff to you know say oh this stuff over here that would be good for the outer wall and you know they're sort of like developing the design as they go and I think there's there's moments where like Azrael like goes to pull in a piece of stone or a piece of earth to build part of the wall and Sable goes no 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 not there over there it has to look good too it can't just be there it has to look good you can't put you the know what granite say. next to the rose granite exactly goodness <laughs> I have no taste I'm earth <laughs> it's not your fault it's not your fault thank you <laughs> that's incredible one of you should roll to see how that how that works out oh okay I'll do it Okay, I'm rolling 2d6. Okay, that's a six. That's a major complication. Oh, oh, that was a six even. What What do we add? I'm sorry. With, with marks. Oh, how many marks? Now it's an eight. Great. That is better. That that's is better. better than a six. Great. A minor complication. Your action mostly works, but also causes a minor complication. I feel like the minor complication is that it is visually very nice. It's a solid design, but there are aspects of it that are not structurally sound because I have have forsaken the structure for the aesthetic. It also blends into the surroundings like a lot Mm. less. Mm. It's obvious that there is some sort of fortress here. Yep. Yep. Oops. You know, but it looks amazing. Looks great. Yeah. It's mostly stronger. Mostly. Because it's not a failure. It's just, you know, it has some vulnerabilities. Back to the mall. So the trap is sprung. Whatever your hopes for the confrontation, the enemy was prepared for something like this. They try to take the cursed hostage, but are stopped by the wizard. I feel like the hex, this is when the hexarch absolutely needs to make their dramatic entrance. Oh, what is my entrance? I mean... I need a stage, James. Set my stage. Yeah, what I kind of think is happening is there's all this chaos moving around and there are like fleets and fleets of soldiers and whatnot, like pointing weapons. And China's like very casually kind of like strolling through this fortress and looks like he's lost. But like as he's doing it, he's kind of absentmindedly like flinging spells and whatnot that like turn everybody's guns into butterflies and, and you know, uh, fleets of like Disney style animals like roll through and they sort of tidy away all of these soldiers and this chaos and, and explosions as he's like looking for these archives. Can I ask just super quick, what is Lament doing? Is Lament like sticking along with them or like has Lament fucked off in a different direction entirely? (laughs) They have no idea what, like they do have a fear of getting lost, but like their purpose, you know, their entire being, the reason for being is to inspire misery and sadness. So while there are butterflies and animals that are blossoming all around them, Lament with like one long taloned finger starts to like run it along the corridors and ruining tapestries. (laughs) They knock over like a golden vase. There's a cute puppy and they pick it up and get it all really excited so it starts to pee on the ground and then they put it back down. Just things to sow chaos, you know? <laughs> that is my favorite. <laughs> I was so worried when you mentioned they pick up a puppy and then you're like, no, they get it excited so it pees. It's like, mm. You just give them kisses ah, in the beautiful. face. beautiful. <laughs> it's all like really sweet kind of mundane chaos instead of like the F5 tornado yeah. that Sable previously lived through. <laughs> now it's like, haha, I knocked over your water. Haha, I switched your shoes. Haha. Well, your yeah. socks are wet. You must have been traveling with us so long that the only terrors you can really imagine are domestic. It's been a long time. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, I have it. a question. In order to establish my entrance, mm-hmm. does the Hexarch have magic or I should hope I should think so. And what type of is this a I mean her gender is beyond mortal ken. So yeah. mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd say go nuts, like go as big as you want. 
I think you must be similarly powerful or to most people you like anybody, any outside observer would go, these two are equals, but you know that we're not. And it's because of whatever deal I got going with the demon. As you stroll through the mall area, you hear the screeching sound of electricity building and very suddenly a wild streak of lightning curls down from a pristine sky to arc in front of you, dance upon the ground, and reveal Hexarch Terra. Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I wanted to let you know that the OneShot Network has an exciting fan project coming up. Some fans of the Skyjacks podcast have declared that from March 8th to the 14th, it's Jonnet Week, celebrating everybody's favorite 15-year-old Sky Pirate. There's going to be a ton of fan art, fan fiction, and all sorts of cool fan works. To get involved, all you have to do is head to jonnetweek.tumblr.com or follow them on Twitter at jonnetweek. And that's spelled J-O-N-N-I-T. Before we get back to the show, a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We've got more exciting Skyjacks-related bonus content coming out this week as we finish up the conversation between myself, Patrick Rothfuss, and Drew Merzieski about Skyjacks Courier's Call Season 1. There's lots of great discussion in there, not just about the shows and the universe, but about kids' literature, and how we as actual play creators decide to present our ideas and explore them. You can find all that and more over at patreon.com slash one-shot podcast. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Who dares walk into my mall with such fervor? Oh, you seem so familiar. <laughs> Ooh, I can't put my finger on it. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. You have got to be kidding me. Oh, I want to say Dave? Dave. I want to say Dave. I didn't say it. You did, I though. I want to say it. You said Dave. I want... Let me clarify... You I just want, said Dave. I want you to be a Dave. Do I look like a Dave? No. Do I sound like a Dave? I should say not. Most of the Daves I've encountered are lovely. Then why do you want to say Dave? It would be preferable. Do you I am not Dave! Then you work here. You could say that. Where are the archives? I've been looking for minutes. I think we are actually standing in the hallway outside of the archives. And while you are, while you are having this conversation with the Hexarch, Saral actually was like, oh, they're right there. I'm going to go see if I can look in these five cabinets. a big sign. Like, it's like neon. Yeah, right right there, actually. So Saral is like, meanwhile, like looking through a filing cabinet. Yeah. And I think trips an alarm on uh, the one drawer. Oh, there they are. Thank you very much. You can take this. The the Hexarch, upon hearing the alarm, raises a hand and, and curls lightning to whip at Sorel, knowingly that, like, seeing a shadow being and saying, none of this, snaps lightning at them. Yeah, it is immediate, the reaction from <laughs> from Shine. Shine, the casualness and, and you know, the, the, the grace, like, like, fades away. And I think kind of immediately the gravitational lensing surrounds him. And he is suddenly in front of Sorel and the lightning, like, just gets absorbed into the singularity. You mustn't. They are allergic. You think I'm not aware? You are trifling with uh, Hexhawk Terror! 
I don't think you are not aware. I hope that you are not aware. Because if you were aware that a shadow being is allergic to the light and you threw lightning, then you would deserve terrible things to happen. I think that you have gone too far on my property. I am trying to be a better person, and I don't want to make terrible things happen. I think I would like to roll just so I have a degree of agency of like Sorol is oh, like yes, please. <laughs> Sorol is like, oh my god, okay, uh, this is terrifying. I just probably almost died. I and like panicking is going like obviously mm. this there's something in this drawer and is desperately okay, so I, I have plus three and a rolled <sighs> <laughs> I rolled a three. Uh, so that's no! six. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fine. It's a major, it's a failure. It's a major complication. The threat is either prepared for my, prepared and puts you in a very tight spot or something unexpected goes seriously wrong. You know, I think maybe we leave that up to the hex arc. I think we're already basically in a, in a tight spot, mm-hmm. you know. Both of you are in an archive, not the biggest, widest room. Yeah. And you've stepped inside a place where the Hexarch is in the doorway and furious. Mm-hmm. We're just, I think we're, we're at a standstill because both of us have fury mm-hmm. for various reasons for Hexarch that you have broken into a place that I have command over. I've lost control of this place. And I'm furious. You're furious because I lashed out with my anger and threatened someone you care for dearly. So until one of us makes a move, I think that the Hexarch stands there with crackling energy in the palms of both of their hands, staring you down. Great. So this is exactly the moment to say this is when the daring escape happens. The number of successes and failures in the preceding scenes will determine what it costs for the wizard to get everyone to safety. So unfortunately, because I boned that role, our results were not all successes or failures, but in between. So the wizard's power is stretched, causing a prominent and alarming feature of their demonic form to be revealed. I guess this is for the wizard. Sorrel is not going to be able to find what's in that file before you just make an executive decision and get us all the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? And how do you almost lose control? And then how do you get control back? I kind of think what starts to happen is you are shooting. Like, I, I, I think uh, the Hexar cast to shoot lightning again. Like all she's encountering is impudence, you know, from, from him. And it gets to the point where the gravity becomes so intense, but he's also trying to keep it contained. So space-time starts bending these shots astray. They just start striking aside from the room, but also like filing cabinets start to go towards this black hole. And suddenly it is not contained anymore. And I think what needs to happen is he has to just send both Sorel and Lament away. Like, that that is, the snap power is, it is not safe for them to be around me right now and, and what I am about to do or, or what is happening to me. I think he starts crying as the black hole is like really starting to seep over his chest and like block out a lot of his features as more and more buildings and people start to crumble and, and tumble towards this singularity. And, you know, he, he loses control and just starts devouring everything around him. And I have to figure out how he brings things back under control. Maybe he just hears Sorrel cry out in fright. I, I actually think that somehow would make things worse. I think his original anxiety was that, like, Sorrel might might be hurt or, or something like that. I was thinking, like, this is a military installation. There mm-hmm. are probably explosives. So yeah. maybe your black hole consumes and causes a chain reaction that 
physically blasts you back and relinquishes your focus of the situation. And maybe you see a window of opportunity because everything around you has collapsed or something to that effect. Almost want, I want, I, I kind of want the Hexarch to play a role in how he regains control. Mm. Um, part of me, like part of me wants him to see in the Hexarch's action, like some form of nobility, some form of like goodness that he associates Sorel with. Like, again, he thinks Sorel is perfect and he like didn't want to use his power in this horrible demonstrative way because he's trying to be better. He's trying to be better to be more like Sorel. He's got to see the Hexarch like pull something because I, I would like for him to see some kind of good in this Hexarch or or resist a leaning that the Hexarch has that 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 he could have. Okay. I think that the Hexarch would not want to lose resources and people are resources. So all of these filing cabinets are made of metal. They obviously command lightning and some sort of magnetism. They create a barrier around you of filing cabinets and prevent more people and objects from falling into your gravity. Oh, I like that. Yeah. At first, you were probably just pouring energy trying to use force to stop me. Mm -hmm. But more force isn't the answer. It's using the power that you have to stop more bad things from happening. Yeah. So he's got to, I think, internally move into this heart and and find some of the feelings that are in here. You know, a lot of what he was trying to do earlier to, to repair this broken heart was pretend everything is okay, but everything is not okay. Can I make a suggestion? Yes, please. Because you did pull a lot of stuff into the black hole, and we can only assume that in black holes, things are destroyed. Mm -hmm. I think your NDA was destroyed. Interesting. Yes, yes. Okay, that's fun. So all of the memories come flowing back, and he at once confronts the bad behavior that, that he has indulged in the past. And, you know, he sees his past with lament. And he also, because he is like gone into his heart, he sees the past terrible things that people have done to the planet, you know? Like mm -hmm. he sees, he, he finds the ways in which he is imperfect and people have been imperfect stewards and harm has happened. But you can't wish that away. You can't make it go away. You have to take what you have and make the safety that you have, like like find to embrace that imperfection and make it a livable perfection. And I think that quiets the singularity. I, I think everything in the area was in the like past the event horizon to the point where time starts to stop because everything is accelerating so quickly. And suddenly Shine is there in the center with this like weirdly lensed room and everything is, is pointing towards him. And he like slowly arranges the world around him. So everyone is going to be like just land safely. And the worst thing that happens to anyone is they bounce their bottom just like a little bit. And he'll like walk past the Hexarch, who I believe is powerful enough to perceive and stopped time. And like the two of them will make a kind of eye contact. Thank you. And he'll just like calmly kind of walk out of the room. And when the mall is behind him, like there's, there's just a delay in the power and then like everything moves back into focus and like. Awesome. So I think that perfectly answers 
the first question of getting to safety of what is the distraction the wizard creates so that the cursed and the monster can get back home. No one is paying attention to Lament and Sorrel. We shamble away. I think you can hop back in that big dirt clod and it just ra- unravels itself. Sorry. Probably, yeah. yeah. You know, I've got Sorrel like wrapped around all my rags. Like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah, and Sorrel is just shell-shocked, completely shaken. For those who secured the home against attack, Sable and Azrenel, you move the home to pick the two of us up before escaping into the wilds. How do you care for the cursed when they return? I think that once the structure of safety has been completed, Sable and Azrenel are on watch, waiting for the dirt ball to come back or any other sign of their friends. And I think... Sable is still up on this like ledge thing that Azrenel has created for her and she sees through her giant binoculars the dirt ball come a ramble in back and she sets off like the little she starts ringing the little bell like at the top of a, of a ship she's like ding 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 yes. ding 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 they're coming I can see the ball they're coming you know and then the the earth goes whoosh, back down to the ground level so that they can welcome them back and the dirt ball is still functioning so at first it looks like everything's okay and then when they emerge from the the travel ball uh, I think Sable realizes really quickly that things are not okay and also Shine is not there so Sable I think turns to Azrenel and is like what do we do? Azrenel Azrenel's form takes Sorel pulls them into the center of the ball and creates a very dark space for them to feel to to settle and feel comfort and their human form embraces them. Oh. That's really good. I think that's what they need. That's great. Can I also just say being the the character that just harmed them and now being the character that hugs them feels real fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So lastly, for the wizard, what kind of shape are you in when you make it home? If your demonic form was revealed, do you say anything about it or pretend that it never happened? Absolutely pretend that it never happened. No, he's got to be in his feelings right now because he is confronting the fact that not everything used to be perfect. And he is sort of, he's always thought about the future of the potential future of like, I just fixed the earth and everything's fine. And now he's thinking about, oh God, it's so hard and so big and so complicated. And I've wasted so much time, but I know I'm supposed to somehow embrace that. And it just doesn't make any sense. So I think he's quiet. Awesome. All right. So that is act one real quick. I think we all hit our, uh, I mean, maybe Sable didn't hit all of their act one marks previously. No, yeah, I, I hit two of the four. Oh, I think I missed one. I didn't warn the wizard that they were in danger of losing their humanity. Still did very impressively. Yeah. Everybody. So normally during a full game, we would spend a big portion of act two kind of dealing with changes to the home and processing emotional shit. That's important. I think we're going to skip forward to Calm Before the Storm and just play this as a montage. Because I think after storming into the Hexarch's seat of power and basically detonating a bomb in the heart of her fortress, you know that she's going to be coming after you very soon. Yep. So this is normally the last game in Act 2. You don't talk about it, but you all feel the danger looming overhead. You don't know when it will arrive, but you know it will happen soon. What do you do with this brief moment of calm? Who do you spend it with? What secrets do you lay bare? And what do you hold tight to? So this game is for everybody. And yeah, the the first question, I feel like we've already established how the danger has not yet arrived, but is close at hand. We know the Hexarch is coming. So we're going to frame some last moments of calm. We're going to take turns selecting a prompt from the list below or come up with our own if nothing appeals. Ask one player to join you. Describe what happens together. And each player chooses once. So this is our last chance for one-on-one moments with another character before the final resolution. So if there's anyone you've wanted a moment with and not had one, now is the time. And if the wizard and the cursed share a scene, they may only address their feelings for each other obliquely. Yep. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Yep. So the pre-written prompts are go for a walk in the wilds, challenge someone to a game, do some minor tasks you've been putting off, read to someone or get them to read to you, or cook a meal. 
Lament would like to have a jigsaw puzzle competition with Azrael. <laughs> You're going down. <laughs> oh, you wish. At its core, it's just as a distraction. But as the two of them compete and as the two kind of start to vocalize their aggression, I think there is some common ground that is found. And there is the conversation of the anxieties of what's about to happen. And as two, I mean, for one, Azrael, you powerful as heck, like so strong. Lament likes to view themselves as an all-powerful being, but with their power stripped, they vocalize to you a lot of their nervous vulnerabilities and how they feel that all they can truly do right now is take care of Sable, because Sable, Sable or Sorel, because they can't really offer much else to this home, but they want to do their best. Feel that, yeah, and I, I think Azrael commiserates a little bit and and reveals a little bit of their weakness as well and reveals I think to the first person other than Shine that they had been weak and like dying prior to being and, and captured in this home and so now you are the only other person that knows that they had a, a weak moment I love that I would actually like my moment to be with Sable. I think Sorrel is, you know, kind of conscious of how hard this sort of Damocles situation we're in, how hard that must be for a kid. And at one point, like, is just like, come on, we're going for a walk. A walk? Yeah. Like outside? Yeah. But, but I built this fortress. I thought we were supposed to stay in. We won't go far. Ugh. I have to change shoes. I have to change my shoes. (laughs) It's like that thing of like, the reason that they were like, let's go for a walk is like, you know, I don't, I don't know if people are familiar with kids, but like when you spent too long indoors and your kid starts vibrating because they, they literally need to go run around the block. Yeah. It's yeah. That's how it starts. But like, as like the two of you are outside, Sorrel is just like, Oh God, I I gotta like take Sable's mind off of it. And so they just start like inventing games as they're like walking and like oh hey let's let's pick flowers for shine and it just turns into like a really nice lovely outing yeah i think that the game starts with the little stuff and then it turns into kind of a scavenger hunt and then by the end it's a very serious undertaking we need to find flowers and berries and like natural remnants to like create gift baskets for everybody Oh my god. We need to bring everybody yes. back souvenirs of this walk that we went on. And it has to be perfect. They have to be exactly the right colors and the right shapes and the right size. And they have to be tailored. Yes. Yes. Laments is like every color of like and texture of dirt that we can find. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Azrenel is like every like different like pretty rock and shines, of course, is nothing but flowers. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a very serious undertaking that comes out of this game. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, like, we both get very excited about this very unusual dirt that we find for yeah. Lament. Because <laughs> Lament is definitely the hardest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think the, the finishing touch on Lament's basket is, j- like, dampening it just the right amount. <laughs> Misting at like, it. Until it's like, okay, I need, I need a little more. Stop. Okay. Just like a tiny bit more. That's it. That's perfect. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's- and then I think that on the way back, the last thing is uh, Sable gives one to Sorrel. It's not as big as the other ones, and it's not as extravagant as the other ones, but it's still specific things that while they were assembling these other baskets, that there's like a little of each of the other baskets in this one. Right. And you did it without Sorrel seeing, which is hard. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. Who's next? Azrenel at the end of the night can see how many wheels are turning in Shine's head and decides to indulge one of the more childlike sides and reads you a bedtime story. Oh, I like that. Okay, if that's happening at the end of the night, yep. want to come back to that. Yep. So starting earlier in the day, the start of the day, Shine 
tries to approach Sorel as like like the like around breakfast tries to say something and the words like die before they arrive so he closes his mouth and like everybody's eating breakfast and and shine is like completely unmoving and then just dramatically stands up from the table whirls around and goes to his office and like well if i can't say the things out loud i can write them down and starts writing and writes and writes and writes, but also it writes so furiously and passionately that his magic starts to flare up and it starts to bend time. So he probably hyper focuses writing like a year or two, but it's not a year or two to him. Like it, it, like in eight hours or like, like maybe, maybe a couple hours in daytime will pass to the point where he has like a library of of things that that he has thought and said and goes oh god there's no way that anyone could read all of this so like very quickly tears all of the letters off of all of the pages and like presses them together it, it compresses it until it turns into a diamond it's like ah, it's perfect this is perfect so he goes out and like is preparing himself like has, has dusts himself off and whatnot behind Sorel uh, and just as he's about to start this conversation Sorel is pulled aside by Sable and the two of them go off walking together and he you know looks at the diamond and then he like I think just crushes it in his hand to like powder and like sticks it in a pocket and I think he's got to go and what has Lament needed Shine to do for a long time that is so completely inconsequential now that all of this is happening? Honestly, I really want to say that Lament needed new clothing. And despite their aggressive insistence to the contrary, they have just been kind of shambling around in one of your tapestries. And it's... It, it works, but it really doesn't. Between that and the hat that was placed on top of their head, they've been rocking this look. And it's somehow worse than the rags they were wearing before. But due to their adventures and their experiences with everybody in this household, there's nothing left of those rags. And at the beginning, you know, at the first time that the Lament entered your spatial abode, you promised to adorn them. They disagreed. And it's, again, it's so futile. It's so inconsequential. But it was... It's kind of a necessity, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like a new a new outfit is, especially compared to like the storm that is clearly coming, that couldn't possibly mm -hmm. matter. Shine whirls into like the bog or swamp that is Lament's room and like Both. pulls out some measuring, <laughs> pulls out some measuring tape and is like, you know, I must measure you. Why have I become longer i must reveal something to you something that will shock mm. you to your core oh no i have recently you... acquired a piece of very important information again this will disturb you are you prepared to hear it i will sit down we have a history Shine? Hmm? Yes. Yes. You were aware? Yes. <sighs> Why? What? <laughs> oh, well, that makes this so much easier. <sighs> I thought Shine. I was going to have Tru to explain truly. the whole backstory. I had really prepared it. Truly. I think... I'm experiencing some of these feelings that I wish others to feel. <laughs> then, then you are prepared to answer a question that I have. Very important. I am ready. How did you become better? Better... Better than what? 
better than I was before I came here? Better than I was after I met you? Better than what? Better than the person who scarred my face. Better than the person who hurt Sable. You came here, and you asked to be treated a certain way, and you were never treated that way. You kept wanting things and saying you wanted things and doing things, but they never, ever brought you what you asked for. And somehow, instead of the person who spreaded misery and terror, you became the person who spreaded minor inconveniences. And small kindnesses to my dear friends. And all this time, I thought what I was doing was really making things right. That I had handled myself so well with such grace. But you were doing the work the whole time. And you didn't even realize it. You didn't even try. How did you do it? This episode of One Shot uses music by Scott Buckley, provided under a Creative Commons International 4.0 license. Tracks used are This Too Shall Pass, Inbound, Machina, Air, Filaments, The Summoning, and Reverie. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Our Traveling Home. In the meantime, be sure to check out some of the other amazing gaming shows here on the One Shot Network. Like Session Zero. Session Zero is a discussion podcast that seeks to explore the psychology of role-playing. Each episode will feature role-playing concepts, stories, and tropes viewed through the lens of psychology by clinical psychologist Porter Green and industrial organizational psychologist Steve Discount. Be sure to join them on the couch for the next session. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And folks, what's happening in Texas right now is pretty frightening. The cold weather that's caused so many problems for Texans is unusual, but thanks to climate change, it's going to become more usual. Infrastructure in Texas, especially in power plants, was not designed to handle this kind of weather. However, it's not because experts didn't anticipate it. It's because deregulation allowed private corporations to ignore expert opinions. And while Texas has taken special measures to not be beholden to federal regulations surrounding power infrastructure, this problem isn't theirs alone. Utilities, and especially the electrical grid in the United States, is not very well regulated. Most of it was built decades ago, and we are well past due for an update. Pretty much all over the country, we're operating over capacity all the time. And power companies, because they're privately held, don't take proactive steps to update their grid unless something breaks. Because doing that doesn't provide a benefit to shareholders in the form of profit. And that is an extremely unsafe way for us all to live. These power companies provide a vital service that makes all of our modern lives possible. And because of that, we need to be able to depend on it. We're seeing the negative results of not proactively updating infrastructure in Texas, and we saw it before in California. Those wildfires are largely owed to a power company failing to update its infrastructure. This is not a sexy or exciting issue, and it's rare that it gets put right in front of our faces. We have to take advantage of this specific moment in time, and definitely this specific Congress, to try and push through some sort of federal regulation of our utilities. Because if we don't, we're going to be left in the lurch for the next disaster. And climate change guarantees there are more on the way. 
Now, when I call my representatives, I like to use a site called fivecalls.org. There, you can find issue summaries for issues similar to this one, along with contact information for your representatives and a script to read while you're on the phone to help you get your point across. Calling is quick, and it's an essential way to get issues like this in front of our representatives. Take the time and make a call. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.